Welcome back to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do these without the incredible support of our sponsors, and we want to start by saying thank you to all of them. First, thanks to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herf Jones. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to thank our platinum sponsors, including Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Gilman Gear, always a step ahead. Camp Mobile, where teams communicate better. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. And Vital Signs, bring student achievements to life. Thanks to all of our great sponsors. Hey, welcome back everyone to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest today is Jonathan Buckva. Jonathan's a certified master athletic administrator and he's the athletic director at Ronald Reagan High School, excuse me, Ronald Reagan Middle School in Haymarket, Virginia. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be on a list of some great ADs that you've had on this podcast. Oh, absolutely. As you know, we only have the very best. And I think you're our first one from Virginia. So we appreciate you representing the state. Appreciate it. Well, as you know, uh, these days is a crazy time for athletic directors. So we're going to jump right into it. We always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you grew up, where you went to school and college and maybe how your love of sports, you know, led to that first teaching and coaching job. Okay. I, I live in Northern Virginia, uh, live in Manassas, which is about 30 miles outside of DC, but I grew up in Front Royal, Virginia, which is 60 miles west of DC. Um, so not too far away from the big city, but Front Royal is kind of a, a small town. Um, growing up, I played soccer, basketball, and baseball all through my youth. Um, when I got to middle school, high school, I turned into more of a, a bench sitter for basketball, but I knew my role in the, in the game. And that kind of, I think I learned more about coaching and maybe the understanding of the game because I didn't have the skills to contribute, I guess. Um, so in high school, I, I played basketball for a couple years and I played soccer my senior year. Um, I was an athletic trainer throughout high school. And um, if I wasn't doing athletic training or playing, I was a manager for a sport. So I was always in the gym. I was a, a gym rat, just always there. Um, and then uh, I did athletic training for a year in college, but at the school I was at, it, it seemed more like a glorified water boy instead of an athletic trainer. So I, I took a dip out of athletic training and uh, went the PE route. And I figured if I went PE, then I could teach a coach. Um, that was always something I was big into was I always wanted to be a, a coach like my high school basketball coach. So, um, so that's what I did. I went to, I did my undergrad work at Chowan College in Northeastern North Carolina, small private Chowan. school. Not, not many people have heard of it. So, um, it was a small school. And so I did, I went there on a, a full leadership scholarship. Um, they started a new program where they wanted people who were high school, um, SCA presidents and I fit the bill. So I saved my parents a lot of money, even though I was out of state, the tuition was paid for. So I went down there for four years. 
um, got out of Chowan and then got my first master's at East Carolina. Um, did it, one of my professors at Chowan had started an online master's program. So I, I did that. At the time I was back in Virginia. So it was out of state tuition, which wasn't one of my smarter choices. Um, but I did it anyway, because at the time when you got out of school, you got that master's, so you get that, that first pay increase. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's what I did. Um, at the time, I, was, I coached all kinds of things. Uh, when I first got out of school, um, I taught for a year in North Carolina while my wife was finishing school, and I taught uh, tennis, basketball, softball. I was the new, new guy on the block, so they're like, hey, can you coach this? And even if you can't, that's what you're coaching anyway. So that's uh, kind of where I went. Uh, when I went back to Virginia and was working on this master's, I was coaching pretty much just basketball at the time. Um, and had, had some interest in um, athletic administration, but at the time you had to have, um, they said just a master's, so I thought I had that, but then when I first applied for my first one, they wanted you to have an administration degree. Right. So um, my brother, also big into athletics, we decided we would go to West Virginia University and we were going to work on this athletic coaching education master's. Um, we figured that might give us a, a loop in there. Um, and they were offering a program where it was in-state tuition for out-of-state people. But then when they threw in that admin thing, I decided to work on an educational specialist degree at the same time as that other master's so I could get the admin component. So I've collected a number of degrees over the years. Um, if I could find the right in-state tuition kind of doctoral program, I might look into that as well. But for right now, I'll just leave the four degrees I have on the wall. Uh, but like I said, I, I coached all through my first few years. Um, when I first came, I, I taught a year of high school PE. Then I went back home and taught two years of high school science because I had a minor in biology. Um, they wanted me to get fully certified, but I had to take more classes. And those classes were only offered during the day. So I decided to teach closer to my house. And so I taught five years of elementary PE. During that time, I taught high school volleyball. Volleyball wasn't a sport that I knew much about, but when I came back, I was at an in-service and I, I had never paid to get into a high school athletic event. So I asked this one coach, how can I get one of those coaches passes that get me into everything? And she's like, well, why don't you come to practice and I'll make you an assistant coach or whatever. So I, I did a couple years and got my coaching pass and then I, another coach in the district left. So I took over his team. So I coached a couple years of volleyball and I started an archery team at my elementary school for a while. Wow. Um, then I took two years off and I became an elementary assistant principal and realized that probably wasn't for me. And Ronald Reagan opened up in 2012 and I applied there to go back into teaching PE and be their athletic um, director. The principal at the time wasn't an athletic guy, so he was glad to have somebody with an admin degree and understood athletics. So he just kind of let me run loose, um, and I've been doing that ever since. I haven't had to coach anything at the middle school. I've been lucky to find coaches to fill every position, but I created a world-class archery program here. So I do coach archery in my little bit of off time. Wow, what a great story. And, and again, a great testament to, you know, some of our listeners about perseverance and, and you know, just working hard to find that perfect fit. Uh, and what a great opportunity to start a program uh, there at Ronald Reagan. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Um, what were some of the things that, 
you know, having been at other schools and, and served in that role, uh, what were some of the things that you really felt were important to bring to the athletic experience at Ronald Reagan Middle School? Um, you know, with it being a new school, I could pretty much head any direction I, I wanted to, you know, so the, the first big thing, I was still an assistant principal at the other school, but I was ordering equipment and uniforms and everything like that. And, you know, money wasn't much of an object at that point. So, you know, we got the nicest things we could find. Um, and then once that school year ended and we got into hiring coaches, um, our principal wanted people that were inside the building um, which I, I totally get, and I, I like that aspect. In the first couple of years, we were able to fill everybody from inside the building. You know, so we were looking for you know coaches that wanted to have that connection with kids, um, and understood that um, it is middle school. It wasn't rec league, so we were developing people, uh, kids, trying to teach them to be competitive, so they were ready for the high school level. Um, but at the same time, wanted to teach those kids how to play the game the right way and uh, enjoy it at the same time and understood that they were a part of this grand scheme of, um, you know, student athletes instead of just running gun up and down the floor and you're only here for sports, you know. Right. Now, I think that's such a great opportunity. And again, um, um, I'm very blessed at my school to where almost every single one of our varsity head coaches teaches or works in the building and they are able to develop those relationships and see the kids in the dining hall and in the classrooms. Uh, it, it's just so important. So I was glad you're able to have that experience as well. Uh, let's talk about leadership. Uh, in our profession, um, it, it's such a big part and mentoring is such a big part of our job. I'm curious, who were some of your mentors growing up, uh, either you know teachers or coaches that you had along the way or maybe people that you've worked with or worked for? Uh, whose voice do you still hear in your head when you're uh, talking with your coaches or your kids? Um, I would say my mom was probably my, the big one. She, she's, still in, um, she's still a teacher, a dean of students at a high school back where we grew up. And I think she's going into year 48 or so. She just can't pull the trigger to, to retire. And she didn't want to retire in the middle of COVID last year. Um, so, but she was always one that was at every game. And, you know, I was usually on the end of the bench. So she was never yelling at me. But then when I did get in and I didn't do something right, I didn't catch the ball with two hands in the outfield or I made a turnover, I could always pinpoint her voice out of the, you know, millions of fans out there. I could always find her voice. Um, you know, and she's, she's one that never – she always taught us to never take no for an answer. So if we wanted something, just keep pushing at it. And I, I feel that's come – through many times um, throughout my career when, you know, there's been a roadblock trying to get to where I wanted to be. So I pushed back on that. Um, my high school coach, Coach Moose, uh, was my basketball coach. Um, he was a family friend. He was an educator. Since we were in education, there was, we were always surrounded by um, teachers. But, I mean, he's one that, I mean, I can still quote him word for word, you know, at other basketball practices. And there's some things I probably have to – not quote, but I mean, I still hear it, you know, like it was yesterday. Um, and then when I did come back to school and taught uh, two years of science, he was a science teacher. So he was my mentor then, um, you know, but he was, like I said, he was a family friend. He was more of a coach, more than a coach. Um, he's always been for us, been there for my family. Uh, when my dad passed 10 years ago, he was the first person at our house when we got back. 
Um, he walked my youngest sister down the aisle at our wedding since my dad had passed. So, I mean, it was, it was more of a, a coaching thing. It was, you know, there was that tight bond there that you, you only hope to have with the coach. Um, and then, you know, in recent months, um, unofficially, I have a, a mentor in Kevin Bryant out in, in Oregon. I got a lot of stuff from him during COVID. And, you know, I tend to follow some guy down in uh, Florida named Jake from time to time on, online and see what's going on with him. So, um, you know, my mom and my coach in high school are my main ones. And then I have a couple unofficial that I try to pull as much as I can from. Well, that, that's always good to hear. I appreciate that shout out. Uh, you can't go wrong with Kevin Bryant. You know, Kevin's a, a great guy. We've got to know each other. I'm actually from Oregon originally. So, uh, you know, we share a, a couple of commonalities. Um, let's go and talk about your journey through the NIAAA certification process. Uh, you know, you're certainly not a, a newcomer by any stretch of the imagination. You know, your mom's in year 48. This is year 40 for me, but... Uh, I'd, I'd count you as, let's say, one of the younger uh, ADs around. Um, go ahead and share how you, you know, became aware of um, the certification program and how you moved from CAA through the CMAA process. Sure. You know, what's interesting is I've been doing this AD thing. This would be my ninth year at Reagan doing this. But, you know, the VIAAA um, and NIAAA didn't really come into my radar until about four years ago. Uh, we got a new district athletic director, and he one of his goals when he came was he wanted all of the ADs to become a, a CAA. And, um, you know, the middle school guys were like, hey, we still teach a full load. You know, what's the benefit of this? There's no pay increase or this, that, or the other. And a lot of the high school guys, you know, they were, you know, good old boys who just hadn't looked into it and done it. There was a couple in the county that I guess were CAAs at the time. Um, I started taking some classes, um, joined the VIAAA once he mentioned it. I figured I'd look into it, take a couple classes. I've always learned something out of every class I've ever been in. You know, the CAA, you only needed a handful of classes at the time. And, you know, I do enough, running enough other activities and leadership activities that, you know, getting enough points was, was simple to do. So I did the, the CAA. And then, um, you know, I had a good enough time at all these conferences and going to these classes that I just kept taking classes and kept taking classes. And then um, last year was my first national convention because it was up in this area. So it was simple enough to go to. Um, so I took the, the other extra classes I needed um, to, to get me to, our, to where I needed to be. And, you know, the, the project for the CMA always seemed like um, – it's just going to be one of those super things that's just going to be far out there and hard to reach. Um, but I, I kept watching the videos online that the NIAAA posts and saw other people's projects. And I still didn't think my project was up to par, but, um, you know, I made a couple phone calls to Pete Shambo and I, I called you at one point and both of you were very supportive and said, Hey, you know, that that'll work. I mean, what you did is you, you found the need that your school needed and, you know, you worked through a process and you, you met all your, all your marks and, you know, go for it. And I, I was the type of person who's just going to sit there and write out this massive paper and send it in and see if I got some feedback. But, you know, during COVID and I AAA did uh, those spring seminars and Pete Shambo had one talking about doing it orally. And I, I talked to him and I was like, you know, it's simple enough. And I had this grand plan to, to knock it out at the beginning of COVID. And, 
COVID got in the way and I, I ended up not doing a lot of what I wanted to do, but then I, I finally sat down and, and knocked it out. And, you know, so I became a CMAA while I was at the beach for vacation this, this summer. Um, had my, my phone call, my Zoom call um, from the beach house. And I, so, you know, our district AD, when he came in, said he wanted people to be CAAs. And right now I'm the only CMAA in our district out of all the high school and middle school people. So it was, it was a drive for me to be that first one to knock it out. But at the same time, I, I enjoy all of those classes and just, you know, want to, I guess I'm sitting, hold on one second. I'm sitting too still and my lights went out. Um, so like I said, I, I get something out of every one of them. And I think my next one is, uh, that I want to hit is LTC 799, the quality program one. Just, I want to see what we can do better. Or, you know, if I ever decide to jump from middle school to high school, what, what things can I do to make my next high school position, you know, the best position it can be. So I have some, I have some other plans in there. I just don't know when I'm going to make that jump. Well, I appreciate you sharing your story. And again, you know, I had the opportunity to be involved just a tiny, tiny bit there at the end uh, with some of those nuts and bolts. And uh, again, you had a great project. And, you know, the message to our listeners is you don't have to come up with something, you know, crazy and original. You're already doing something at your school with your kids, your coaches, your parents, that would probably make a great project. You simply have to tell your story. So, uh, uh, again, we, uh, you know, as a member of certification, you know, we certainly appreciate, uh, you know, the coaches that take that extra step. And since you opened the door about the Quality Program Award, the QPA, uh, again, I would encourage you to look into that. It's uh, an exhaustive process, uh, but it's not impossible. Uh, and a great resource would be Mike Elson. Uh, Mike's uh, an athletic director in Tennessee. Uh, he's on Twitter. Uh, you can find his uh, contact information. But Mike did the QPA for his school, and he's got a very easy to follow, um, you know, outline on the steps that he did to make that happen. So that's Mike Elson uh, out of Tennessee. Uh, let's get back to uh, your interview. Uh, you talked about COVID, so let's go ahead and uh, talk about it. I love the logo in your uh, background with the mask. I've seen a couple different examples of that in the last several months. Um, and to our listeners, we're recording this in uh, the first week of September. And by the time it airs, things will hopefully have changed for the better for all of us. But Jonathan, right now, what's happening at your school in Virginia? What's happening academically, athletically around the area that you're in with regards to um, uh, classes as well as athletics? Um, classes wise, uh, teachers have been back. This is our third week back at school and we've been doing mostly virtual meetings, preparing for a new online system. Um, we purchased Canvas and so a lot of us are learning how to navigate that. Some of us have no clue what we're doing, but we'll, we'll figure it out, figure it out before next Tuesday when the kids come in. Um, the kids will be all virtual online except for a handful of special ed kids and ESOL kids who are um, you know, the most vulnerable and, and need that in-person instruction. So my school itself, there's only a handful of kids coming into the building. And I, um, you know, our, our school district is the second or third largest in Virginia, 35th in the nation. So um, you know, we have 90,000 kids in our, in our school division. And I think only 1,800 are, are going into the schools starting next week. Everybody else will be online. 
so we're trying to figure that out. Um, Athletics-wise, um, VHSL decided back late spring, early summer that they weren't going to do any um, summer workouts. Um, so that put everything on a hold for a while. And then um, mid-summer, late summer, they decided that you could start your out-of-season workouts with, uh, you know, a list of uh, restrictions like everybody else had. My county itself or my school district itself, we haven't done anything officially and don't plan to, I think, until September 10th. Um, Virginia did flip-flop their sports, so there's going to be a winter season, and then football is going to be played briefly after that in the middle of the winter, um, and then they're going to have all the spring sports. Um, so I think what's starting September 10th, and, you know, I you know, followed that social link that the NIAAA puts out there and sees what everybody else is doing, and I feel like we're super far behind. I mean, I know there are some school districts in Virginia that have been doing other workouts through for a while. Um, but our high school ADs feel that we're similar to what other areas or other school districts in our area are doing. So they're just starting mainly conditioning on September 10th, uh, groups of 50, but broken into pods of 10 so they can track who's doing whatever. Um, there's not gonna be any equipment for that first while. They haven't determined how long that first phase will be, but then they'll get into some equipment and then hopefully we'll start getting some normalcy and, you know, working out to prepare. Um, I think the first season basketball is not scheduled to start until mid-December, early December. So that'll be the first true activities going on. But, you know, hopefully people will start working out before then. At the middle school level, you know, we, f we signed out of school right after our winter season, which was basketball, and our spring season was supposed to start another week or two after that. So we kind of closed down everything. At the middle school level, we don't allow out-of-season conditioning or, or practices. So um, nothing's really happened for us. We, we did move. We're working on our scheduling for this year. We're going to try to follow, follow the high school and flip-flop some sports around. But we're also concerned that with all this moving around, I don't know if the referees associations will be able to handle us. So we're making a plan as if we're going to squeeze everything in there. And then as things, you know, start to develop, if we have to cut things out, we're going to cut things out. And it's a, it's a hard decision to make right now and not one that I have to make. So I just kind of support where I can. I'm the guy that makes the schedule for the district. So I kind of do all that stuff and help out where I can. But there's somebody who gets a, a pay grade above me that gets to make those decisions. Well, it's uh, certainly new territory for all of us. You know, I think everybody uh, from governors to CDCs to school districts and coaches, we're all learning on the fly. And, you know, what's policy today can be, uh, you know, completely changed tomorrow. So, uh, you know, all the best as you guys continue to reopen and, uh, and deal with that. We've certainly seen a variety of responses across the country. Um, one question we've been asking our athletic directors uh, the past couple uh, months, um, this past spring, in addition to COVID, uh, we also saw just a, a tremendous increase in the awareness of social issues. Uh, the events in Minneapolis, uh, in Atlanta, and now recently again in Wisconsin. Um, here's my question. What are some things that we can do better as athletic directors 
in this area? Uh, what can we do better in the area of uh, social awareness? Yeah, um, you know, at the, I feel at the middle school level, we, we miss out on a lot of that, you know, but I think kids are also at that turning point in their lives where they're starting to have that voice and, you know, starting to be active. So, um, you know, being that we haven't been able to do much since we left, um, I think going forward, because, I mean, who knows when things will get better on that social front and, you know, being up here so close to Washington, D.C., it's a, it's a, a mix of people and opinions up here. So I think what we can do as athletic directors is, you know, listen to the kids and listen to what's going on. And then at some point we, we need to act. And I struggle with the action part of that uh, because when I, when I act, I want it to, I want it to matter. And I want it, I want something to, to be accomplished. I just don't want to go out and, you know, wear a t-shirt just to wear a t-shirt. I, I want, I want there to be something that's, you know, it's going to drive something down the road. Um, you know, and athletic directors and, and coaches, you know, we shouldn't hide from those conversations that athletes want to have with us. You know, we should be thrilled that an athlete, you know, confides in us enough that they, that we're that person they want to talk to and they want to voice that opinion. And then if we can help them find a way to, to put something in action or, or let their voice be heard and, and be supportive as we can. Um, you know, sometimes you're, silence is, um, I can draw the blank, but you know, silence is a lot, is the problem sometimes. And if you don't help those people um, or any people, you know, try to talk, talk about their needs, then, you know, you're condoning the action yourself. So I think we just got to help everybody find their voice and be supportive as we can. Mm -hmm. well, I appreciate you sharing that. Well, Jonathan, this has just flown by, um, but we're not quite done. Uh, we always like to wrap up with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. Uh, you're a veteran AD, and I'm challenging you to send out a brand new athletic director on their very first job, but I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox. What three things are going to go in Jonathan Buckva's athletic director toolbox? Yeah, it's, it's funny. I've, I've listened to all the podcasts and every time somebody comes on, I was like, well, that's a good one. Um, and I never can like narrow down my three, but I, I tried to narrow down my three earlier today when I was thinking about it. And I'm in a unique situation. We hired a new PE teacher this year who happens to be a female and she, she has goals. She wants to be an athletic administrator. So I said, hey, I don't know when I'm leaving the middle school level or if I'm ever leaving, but you know, I would like to take this as a project and, and be your mentor. Um, so the first thing I would say was would be a membership to the VIAAA and NIAAA, which, you know, we're getting her signed up and I'm going to take care of her dues for this first year and, and, and push her in the right direction. You know, flipping back real quick to one of your other podcasts, I think it was uh, Jen Brooks and the We Coach um, program she has. I started looking into that after I heard that on the podcast. So hopefully I can tie some of that in with, uh, with my new mentee. Um, the second thing I would say was, you know, once you get into that NIAAA, get on that social link and just start following people and see what information's out there. You know, it's, it's amazing. And it's been said a thousand times on your, on your podcast, you know, the coaches, when they go to coaches clinic to they'll tell you a little bit, but they don't tell you everything because they want to keep those secrets for themselves. But ADs, I mean, they will just empty it all out there because they understand, you know, it's a struggle if you don't have this or that. So, I mean, they tell you anything and everything. And I 
you know, I'm on that social link. It's first thing in the morning. I check it midday and then I check it at night just to see what new stuff's out there. And I'll, you know, I start pulling things off and putting them in a little file so I can go back and look at them later. So I really love, you know, following certain people on that and seeing what's new out there. And then the last thing I would say is make a task list or a to-do list and then check things off so you can see that you accomplish things. Um, you know, going back to the CMAA project, you know, I had this plan to do it early in COVID and then never got to it. So finally, you know, I, I made a list and said, here's what I need to do. So each day I would check off something or check off two things. And finally, I was at that point where I was like, I'm finished with it because I, I had that, that plan in place. If I hadn't have made that list, I'd still be spinning wheels on that project. So that's, those would be my three things to help the new person out. All right. Well, great advice. And certainly I appreciate the, uh, the shout outs, uh, you know, for NIAAA and our podcast. Jonathan, it's been uh, great visiting with you today. It's been great getting to know you, um, you know, this past, uh, you know, summer with regard to your project and with the NIAAA website. All the best as uh, we move forward. Thank you. To our listeners, uh, thanks as always for tuning in. Uh, come back again next time for another edition of the Educational AD. Thanks again for listening to the Educational AD Podcast. This episode is also available on YouTube on the Educational AD FIAAA YouTube channel. Thanks again for supporting the Educational AD Podcast.